Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up of the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host Dr. Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode and this week it's still the build-up to Christmas! Yay! Uh, or indeed Hanukkah or other associated holidays. Whatever it is you're celebrating at this holiday time, uh, have a good and safe holiday. We are in our annual tradition here of watching a Christmas film and this week it's a doozy. Uh, we are going back 75 years to watch It's a Wonderful Life and uh, if you're pulling a face like both of the guests on this episode of what? Films are that old? Uh, <laughs> yes, it absolutely is. Uh, joining me, we have someone who has seen the film before and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it is uh, Miss Christmas herself. It is Nicola Brescianini. Hi! Nicola, uh, welcome back to the programme. Thank you for having me. Um, it's been one whole year since you were on. <laughs> yeah, uh, you were last on for a Christmas film, so uh, yeah. It's we, an annual tradition. It is. We <laughs> We, we unpack the tree and then we open the box with Nicola in it and we let her run around for a bit and then January 1st, back in she goes. <laughs> the Michael the Buble of the podcast. Indeed. Um, how, how, how's your 2021 been? Yeah, it hasn't been too bad. I finished school for the year, so that's pretty exciting and I'm starting at a new school next year, which is even more exciting because I won't have to wake up at 5.30am anymore. Hooray! Yay! Excellent. And It's a Wonderful Life. You haven't seen this film. No, I haven't. So, what what do you know about it? I know it's old. Didn't realise it was 75 years old, but mm. I knew it was old. Um, and now, okay, the only other thing that I know of is that it's got something to do with the fact that if the dad wasn't around anymore, what would life be like? Yes. Or something along those lines. Yeah, that that is this film. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's, that's basically all I know about it. Okay, excellent. And... Um, what do you think is the oldest Christmas film on your regular rotation? Because regular listeners to the program will know that you have a a, a big old Ooh. list of Christmas films you like. Um, it would probably be one of the Rankin Bass um, stop motion animations. Mm. I couldn't tell you which one's the oldest, but yeah. it'd be like you know Frosty or Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer or yeah or Elf. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's like two thousands. Come on, that's yeah. modern. <laughs> yeah, true, but they've got they've got that little stop motion. A style modern on. classic. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, luckily, uh, we have someone who has seen the film uh, who can uh, help you through this particular winter wonderland. Welcome back, Shane Adamsack. Hey, thanks for having me back. Shane, it's been uh, it's been almost eight or nine months since you were on. I so. know, and we did not do a Christmas film back then. No, we did Alfie, which yeah. is uh, very much not a Christmas film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, It's a Wonderful Life is slightly less grim. In fact, uh, you, you can tell us, in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what can people like Nicola expect who haven't seen this film? This is one of those movies that I actually hadn't seen up to about five years ago mm. when uh, my partner at the time, we were sharing like Christmas movies that we would always watch and she was Canadian so she watched a lot of like traditional mm. like American ones. So this was one that she was like, how could you never have seen this movie? Mm. Um, so I was like, sure, I'm open to it. So we watched this one and we watched uh, A Muppet's Family Christmas. Okay. Also good. Um, which is arguably my favorite Christmas movie. Oh. Um, but yeah, this was one that like just... Like, I'm big on pop culture, and so, like, I felt like I'd absorbed a lot of It's a Wonderful Life just through osmosis. Like, I knew the plot, and I knew parts of it just because it's referenced so often in, mm. in other movies and TV shows. Mm. And it was really nice, though, to just sit down and actually see the full thing and be like, oh, I, yeah, I can see why people love this movie. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, just for the folks at home, in terms of uh, your 
Christmas movie viewing habits. Do you mm-hmm. have any particular traditions you like this time of year? Um, when I lived in Canada, we would often watch Love Actually with mm. my friend Sarah. She's big on that movie. She'd mm-hmm. watch that every year. So that was one. Uh, Elf, I really like. Best and movie ever. like I said before, Muppets Family Christmas, mm. uh, as opposed to Muppets Christmas Carol, which is also great. But Muppets Family Christmas, if you haven't seen it, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a real treat. You'd say it's better than the Christmas Carol? I'd say it's on par. Okay. okay. Um, I was going to say. For like. the sentimental value that A, Jim Henson is in it. Okay. Mm. Um, it features not only the Muppets, but also the Sesame Street Muppets and the Fraggles. Oh, wow. Um, and they're basically all gathering at Fozzie Bear's, gr- I think, mother or grandma's house for Christmas. Okay. And it is a delight. So it's like an Avengers <laughs> Endgame. Yeah, basically. It was, the, it was the film. MCU before the MCU. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> the Muppet, Muppet Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, we could have a big discussion about that, but we're not going to get into that right now. Uh, That's not what we're here for. We, we spend far too many of these episodes recasting the films as Muppet films. And <laughs> we might do it with this one later if, we, if we're very good. Who knows? Okay. Uh, but shall we watch It's a Wonderful Life? Yes. Yes, let's. Okay, for those of you listening at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and prepare to ring those bells so those angels can get those wings as we watch It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life, and by we, I of course mean Jane Adams, Zach. Hello. And Nicola Brescianini. Hello. Nicola, that was your first time watching It's a Wonderful Life. Sure was. What did you think? I really liked it. Mm. It, like, I'll be honest, it felt long halfway through. I think it's because I was waiting for the Christmas to happen. Because mm-hmm. um, it really didn't kick in much. You know, it had like a bit of snow at the beginning, and then not for another, what, hour and 45 minutes did you get any more? Christmas. Yeah, it, it it it's a it's a it's a long um, it's it's a long distance between uh, Christmas sea feeling yeah. <laughs> bits. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you enjoyed it then? I did. That was actually a really nice movie. It was like very heartfelt. Mm. Um, and I don't know. I think it's because I knew that he was obviously eventually going to want to wish that he'd never been around. Mm. That, you know, as things were happening, I was like, oh God, here we go. Oh my God, this is going to get so sad in a second. And then it, it, you know, like didn't until the very end. Mm. So it was a really good, even though I had that like preconceived idea of what was going to be happening, it still managed to surprise me throughout. Mm. Uh, Shane, you you last saw this film a couple of years ago. Yeah, about five years ago. Uh, How was it revisiting? I actually forgot how much I enjoyed that movie. I, I think I enjoyed it more the second time because mm. I kind of, I like, I knew what was going to happen, but I was able to kind of like focus on a lot more of the things. So many like amazing like tropes in that movie that I don't know if that's, this is where they originated, but certainly it's got to be very early on for yeah. some of those. Yeah, it, it, it is a, uh, a seminal text, I think yeah. it has to be said. And I really like this film quite a lot. Um, I, I first watched it, I think, similar to yourself, Shane, a couple of years ago, uh, about three or four years ago. Um, when it was only about 70 years old. Yeah. So we, we got in early. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. did. <laughs> um, and I I, rem- I was a, a wreck. I was really emotionally like wrecked after this film the first yeah. time I watched it. Like Because I, w- I was watching it by myself. 
Uh, not when I'm on a podcast being all tough and like yeah, not I mean, crying. I yeah. can flat out tell you guys that if had you hadn't been here, I would have been a sobbing mess. Yeah, but we, <laughs> instead we just did like a bunch of push-ups and stuff. We arm wrestled, yeah. we watched the movie, we did yeah. some punching. Yeah, no, the, the first time I watched this film, I was like, everyone likes it, it's so nice. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was, and and, and, and it, it's still effective, even knowing what's coming and knowing the, the, the ultimate resolution of the film. It's, it is heartfelt. It, it is. is. It's incredibly heartfelt. But at no point did I feel like it was, like, too schmaltzy. I actually yeah. think it feels nostalgic without feeling dated, too. Mm. It is, it is. yeah, it's very heartfelt, very wholesome, but without going to that level of cheese that you'd see in, like, a Hallmark movie these mm. days. You yeah. Know? Like, it's still, like, it gets pretty dark <laughs> yeah. in some points, you know? And I think that's why it works so well. I, I think what, what, it, what, it, what it does really remarkably well is setting up the the quite short sequence of the world without george bailey mm. yeah. um, because it's it's not terribly long but it's kind of the thing this film is most famous for um well yeah that's all i knew about it before we started exactly uh, but you spend a good hour and a half like with um it, we know that clarence is about because he's there at the beginning when all the galaxies are talking <laughs> yeah. to each other yeah which um, you, you rather enjoyed, Nick. I did. The first thing I think I said was, oh, this is the Jiminy Cricket of the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but just the, yeah, the galaxies all talking to each other. This little star comes along. Yes. What, what do you do? <laughs> it's really cute. Um, and kind of like an interesting way of, of framing what this world is. And I also, I'd forgotten this from the last time watching it, but the film starts with different prayers. And we don't see the characters making the prayers. We just hear voices. Mm. And shots of buildings, which we later learn are associated with those characters. And, you know, you hear Mary praying for her husband and one of his kids praying and various people around town who we get to know um, praying because George is is having this really rough time in um, Christmas Eve uh, 1945. So it's... I'd completely forgotten about that. And it's a really interesting introduction and it's also i think a film that it's interesting with a lot of christmas films aren't particularly religious or at least Mm. don't focus on the religion aspect like you know something like elf yeah you know very secular very secular (laughs) yeah yeah. whereas um this film leans into it but but not Not to the preachy way yeah not to the point where it's you know like a you know, like, like like Cliff Richard would be in it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'd watch that movie as well. Oh, I would, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a wonderful summer holiday. Yeah. I, I'd dearly love to watch. But it's kind of, it, I found it quite interesting um, re-watching it, how much prayer frames the start of the film. It, I mean, it, it reads like a 1940s film mm. in that way. Mm. You know, it didn't feel out of place to have all of those all of those prayers and things like that. It was actually really lo- a lovely way to start it. Mm. And like you said, very different from a lot of Christmas movies nowadays. Yeah. Um, and, 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 but, but without going too sanctimonious, like the, the angels are a thing, but that, you know, it's not like one of them going, you better do it. Otherwise Jesus is going to be mad at you. Yeah, you just don't forget it's my birthday tomorrow, guys. So come on, <laughs> you better sort this out. I don't want this guy to dampen my party. It's my birthday. It's my freaking birthday. <laughs> Exactly. They they don't go. That Although far. I'd also watch that movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we meet uh, young George Bailey. We meet him as Clarence uh, learns about him. Um, mm-hmm. 
he's this young boy who likes just going down hills on a on, shovels. on shovels. Yeah, because they couldn't afford sleds in 1919. He's um, filled with pep and ready for adventure. He sure is, and uh, he saves his brother from from uh, drowning in a frozen lake. Oh yeah, I thought that that was going to be the first moment of heartbreak. I yeah. was like, oh god, he's going to die. Oh wait, no, never mind, he's swimming. Mm. With weight, just a bit of hearing loss. Yeah, yeah, it does, yeah. And I think it really sets up George sort of getting the, the short end of the stick, or what feels like the short end of the stick. Yeah. Like, he saves his brother, but he's the one that gets the hearing loss. And his brother gets to go on and become this, like, war hero because yeah. he was allowed to serve. Yeah. Whereas George's like, mm, I can't hear out of one ear. Well, that's my military career over and yeah. done with. Um, and I, I, I think it frames it really nicely. But it also frames that George is fundamentally such a good-hearted person. Yeah. Um, you know, he you know saves his brother. That's good. But then, like, as as a very young child, has to deal with his boss, Mister Gower, almost poisoning someone by yeah. accident because he's just found out that his son died of um, influenza, mm. and. Like that's and also like Mr. Gower slaps him a bit in in that scene and I <laughs> to the point that his ear bleeds yeah and I'd forgotten about that yeah. as, as well and I was like oh yeah this is this is an older film. dark his, <laughs> yeah. yeah his his good intentions and his selflessness is what is co- constantly just causing him to not be able to get the things that ideally he wants yeah and and serving that community that, mm. that he lives in um, and wants to leave but can't and you know the the I, I really liked how they did that and. How everything that he really wants is already there. Um, I, I think that's really... It, it's really nicely done in a way that, again, doesn't feel like it's, you know, small-town America is the best thing ever, you know, which mm. which we get in quite a lot of films. Like, in a Hallmark film. Like, oh, you know, yeah. You know, the, the, it's centred... The, the setting is so important for all those movies. Yeah. But, but, but Bedford Falls is that kind of, like, prototypical setting. I think it's the one thing that Christmas Carol, uh, which I think is... The, the comparative text for this. It, mm. This French feels like America's version of A Christmas sure. Carol. Yeah. At no point is Scrooge go, or Scrooge or Tiny Tim go, isn't it great living in industrial Victorian era <laughs> London? It's just so beautiful. And everyone's so great. Um, but yeah, like D- Dickens wasn't exactly going, like, you know, writing about how great the smog looks when it when mm. it falls in the evening. No. Whereas this film, the, the location of Bedford Falls, and we see it through different points of the year as well. We don't just see it as Christmas Town. We see it as... Um, you know, in the summer and in the rain and all of these things. And it is very much um, a a character in its own right in this film. Mm. Um, And I I think they do a really good job of showing that this is a special community. But again, without doing the thing that a lot of films that follow did, which is all of these communities are special to an extent. Um, I I guess I believed it in this, in this case. Yeah. You really like appreciate the, the quaintness of it when you see it compared to when it becomes Pottersville in the, in the nightmare sequence or in Mm. the, you know, where George doesn't exist. And it's just like, it's just like little town Vegas. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, As they go down the strip, you know, like, (laughs) yeah. It's like in Back to the Future 2 when, when Biff takes over, you know, it's, why do they hate neon so much? That's what I want to know. <laughs> what is it about? Filled with sin. Yeah. yeah. Oh, true. <laughs> all those, all those colours. Yeah. Um, girls, the, girls, girls, girls. Gorgeous girls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jitterbug allowed. I was like, hello. <laughs> Scandal. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think it's it's re- it's a really good use of the environment. I, and again, the the cast of characters in this um, are superb. Obviously, none of them get that time that George does, um, with, with the exception of probably Mary. 
Mm. Um, but, you know, like um, Ernie the cab driver, Bert the cop, you know, Uncle Billy. Oh, he's so forgetful. It's going to cost me going to jail. Ugh. You know, like, the, <laughs> yeah, Uncle, really, Uncle Billy really screwed the pooch. Yeah. I actually felt like that was going towards a, like, dementia uh like yeah, little yeah. side plot, I was like, oh mm. shit! This but is, I think this the, is getting real. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the fact they established he was always forgetful. Yeah, like he has the string on his fingers yeah. in that first scene. Yes. Um, when God, when when George is a like child, when he's trying to see yeah. his dad, he's got the string. So I think it's just a long term. Ah, he forgets things. Um, classic um, Billy. Classic Uncle Billy uh, with his with his raven. Yeah. Okay, all yeah. Right, so <laughs> this is let's go down there now. What was with the menagerie? <laughs> um, I have no idea. I think it was just because they could. <laughs> and it's like the fact that it's never referenced as well. I'm just like, it's just so odd to me that the guy's got a bird and then a squirrel just crawls well, that, on so at one point. This is the thing, right? The bird. I was like, okay, I can deal with that. A bit odd, but whatever. Yeah. And then the squirrel came in, and it was like, oh, this is like a thing. Like yeah. they're setting this up for something. It's like Doctor Doolittle. And, yeah. Yeah, and then it never went anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe he was just—he was so devoted to his hobby of looking after these these animals that he forgets things like eight thousand dollars. Eight thousand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's just um, gotta feed Mister Peanuts. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's used up all his brains. He yeah, to. he's, he's, he's just... got ten animals to feed. He's got ten figures and ten pieces of string. Yeah, <laughs> and so that's it. That yeah, that's the, that's the way it is. So. Uncle Billy, having just done a quick Google on this, mm-hmm. excellent, um, is a widower who lives with multiple animals, among others, a monkey, a dog, a raven uh, called Jimmy, uh, <laughs> and, and a cute little squirrel. Um, doesn't say why. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I never thing. saw a monkey. I was about to say, did you guys see that? Because I missed it. Or is I, this like just in the, the original text? Or something? I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, missed a, I missed the monkey as well. Yeah. But I, 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 guess, I guess it, because he's a widower, uh, maybe he got the animals to b- replace his... Fill the void. His, yeah, fill the mm. void kind of thing. Um, not that it's really stated in this film, or at least at I, don't, I don't I don't. recall it being mentioned. But, uh, you know, also, it was the 40s. They just like having animals in films. It's like yeah. watching um, um, the original Dracula from 1931, where the castle has armadillos in it. What? Yeah, if you oh. watch the original 1931 Dracula, there's like shots of like armadillos running around the castle just because they were like uh we need to make the the castle look like creepier and have weird animals and the weirdest well, animal they could get was an armadillo i mean that'll but that'll do it dracula's not set in texas no <laughs> <laughs> which is yeah he, he is in transylvania and yet there were armadillos huh. what a joke yeah <laughs> So I, I think I think it was just a Hollywood thing from this time period. They and just... you know they're probably right. Those are the strangest animals I could think of living in a castle with Dracula. Yeah, yeah. I don't um, think I could pick anything better. Yeah. So so a, a raven in a bank is is fine by comparison. Yeah, that's nothing. <laughs> yeah, and he was very obedient, always flying yeah. up on the shoulders. In fact, I'm missing the armadillos. Yeah, he was he was great. Um, weird animals aside, uh, Bedford <laughs> Falls is a pretty like nice place and a nice setting, and, and George. Wants to get away and become an architect, but then his father has a stroke and dies. And so he then takes over the family business for a little bit. And then Potter, who I love. Potter is my favorite character. I was about to say, greatest movie villain. I love villain. to hate him. Yeah. 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 He's, he's such a scumbag. Just yeah. sitting there going, well, George, you've messed it up. And now I'm going to capitalize. <laughs> like he's, he's, he's just fantastic. Yeah, he's an excellent villain. Mm. What, what what in particular did did you love to hate about him, Shane? Just he, that, like any any character that just has no heart and is all about 
just pure capitalism and money, mm. that's a big turn off for me. And what I think makes a great villain. I'm just like, just like, you know, even like in the, in like, I think of like the bank people in, in Mary Poppins. Oh, thank yeah. you. That's right? what I was thinking of too. Yeah. And like, at least, at least those guys get a little flip, you know, when they start dancing around and all that stuff. But this guy, he just doesn't turn. Never. Mm. No redemption. No. And I Potter. thought towards the end, I thought, oh, yep, maybe. Nope. Yeah, maybe he'll <laughs> show, a, maybe he'll show up and give the money. No, no, no. I mean, he wished him Happy New Year. I guess. In jail. In jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, 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 he, he's just absolutely fantastic. And uh, Lionel Barrymore, who, who plays him, um, just played that character in so many movies. But, but I feel like this was like the shining example of, yeah. of just a real piece of work like the only thing that would make him even better is if at one point he just ate an apple with a knife yeah <laughs> you know just cutting it with a knife except he'd get his bodyguard to do it yeah, yeah. and like put them into his mouth but menacingly yeah and he'd like chew them nyam, nyam, <laughs> except i really appreciated him not having things in his mouth when he spoke because george bailey does that all Voice the time awesome. yeah he, he's 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 like brad pitt he's sort of always eating always or he's got like a pipe or something there was a lot of like muffled yeah, that noises. scene with the pipe was really hard to figure out what was happening. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, George is a decent human being and continues being good. And you know, he gets ma- meets Mary, they fall in love. Yeah, and he's a goddamn handsome man. Yeah, well, okay. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll take willing to go. Sure. There. I thought he was a banger. Yeah. Ten out of ten would approve. I mean, I mean, Clarence approved at the beginning. Yeah, he was he like, did. oh, he's a handsome. He did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, you and Clarence similar tastes. Yeah, which is good uh-huh, to know. 100%. Um, but yeah, he's he's um, he's there. He meets Mary. They have the whole um, falling in the opening pool uh, scene. Yeah, the <laughs> high school dance, which was fun and probably not safe. But <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. Lots of places have that. Oh yeah, true, true. In fact, just uh, later on, we're going to open up the floor of this living room and we'll, we'll go for a swim. <laughs> this as is going to be great. Finish the review. It is quite warm today. Why not? Yeah, no, it's not. It's it's muggy, yeah. and, and also twenty three degrees in summer, guys. Yeah. I'd go in a, in this pool. <laughs> <laughs> also, we're in Australia. A lot of other, a lot of our listeners overseas are in cold climates at the moment. That's so, true. So they'll be going twenty three. What? This for them? Yeah, this is stripping weather. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's I, it's a really interesting romance between um, George and Mary because I I don't think. I don't think George gets it a lot of the time, or at the very least, he he's so. Oh, like, he he gets it. He had like I mean, four kids, dude. He, okay, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you see the shoes under the bed? <laughs> yeah, um, true. Yeah, at that point, he went all oh, double take. He was like, "I'm all set." <laughs> um, but but that that initial sort of that meeting where he goes to her house or her parents' house, oh, mm-hmm, yeah. and he's very standoffish. And part of me is going, "See, he knows about Sam," and so some of it, I think, is that discomfort with like. But but it's Sam's girl. I can't I I can't do that. That mm. kind of thing. But I also think it's partly him just being a a bit useless. To be oh, honest. absolutely. I I yeah. mean, I personally can think back to my teenagers and go, oh wait a minute. Oh wait a minute. That person was trying to make out with me at that thing thirty years ago, and <laughs> too late now. Mm. I'm sure we all have those moments. Um, no. No. <laughs> Oh, I'm married. I'm a doctor. All right. It's not a competition of who's most accurate. Quit rubbing it in. We've all got stuff going on, mate. All right. Uh, but I really love when they make that connection, when they're physically close with Sam just yapping away on the phone. Yeah. Like, and they're just looking at each other or, or like purposefully not looking at each other at points. And it's really intense. 
and I kind of love it. The beautiful kind of like 1940s sexual tension you could cut with like a, a really old knife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then and then they do eventually kiss, or more specifically, George just sort of like Rub starts. Cheeks. He just rubs his face cheeks. on her yeah. face. Yeah. yeah. Um, which again is, to quote Grandpa Simpson, was the style at the time. <laughs> <laughs> But it was there were issues with with how kissing was depicted, and this film in particular was one where some of the um, reviewers were like, "Whoop!" And like, I think they actually cut down one of the kisses. Really? Yeah. Really? There was there was a kiss which, I think, one of those weird jump cuts because there were a few cuts. Yeah, there were two or three of them which were really jarring. Yeah, mm. I think one of them, they cut a kiss down. It was like a bit that. much, was it? Yeah, but, well, because the censor board were like, whoop. People were fainting in the cinema. Yeah, they were sitting oh, there my. going, I'm into this. This is not good. <laughs> yeah. like, or whatever they did. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's um, in, it, it's interesting because that, that relationship is just so lovely, though. Yeah. And like, and, like, Mary loves him from the off, like, as a kid in the, the druggist <laughs> when, yeah. when she's there and then Violet walks in. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love Violet. Violet well. the blonde bombshell. Yeah. I love the scene where she just walks across the street and everyone's checking her out and the car literally stops and goes, a wooga. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because it was going to hit that man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's perfect. Uh, yeah, it was, um, uh, again, it's just great little characters sort of making this this whole tapestry of this film. Uh, but yeah, George and Mary get together, but then they can't go on their honeymoon because there's a rush on the bank and <sighs> he gives away all the Guys money. can't catch a break. Yeah. I know. Um... Bastard. Yeah, and it, it does ultimately lead to this situation where um, Uncle Billy loses the eight thousand dollars, taunting um, bloody Mister Potter, and accidentally like gives him his newspaper back with the eight thousand dollars. And Potter does what any respectable businessman would do, which was try and destroy somebody's life. Mm. <laughs> Classic Pocket Potter. That shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's that brief moment of being taken back to the door though, and peering out, and then realizing who's lost the money, and then going, oh. I can turn this to my advantage and then just sits on it, which is great. Um, and yeah, George's, George's breakdown is really heartbreaking though. When he's, when he's like attacking the Christmas I know. stuff and shouting at the kids yeah, because it, it feels, it, it feels on the one hand horrifying, but on the other hand, you get where George is coming from. It feels very yeah. real. Yeah, it, it does feel it's very real. well set up. It didn't feel out of place for George to react like that when he spent his whole life not catching a break. Yeah, it's yeah. like the perfect mm. like impetus for this for his snapping point. Yeah. You know, the, the thing to push him over the edge. Yeah. But even while understanding him doing that, I was also sitting there going, "But you're in the wrong. You you can't do that in yeah. front of your your family like mm. that." It I was... mean, he da- he like immediately apologizes to everybody as well. Which big of him? Yeah. Yeah, but then, but then he's like, you know, I apologize. Start playing. It, you yeah. know, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't fix. Why aren't you playing? Oh, oh daddy, no. Yeah. Oh, that's hard. <laughs> I love all the kids at the end going, "Should we go pray for him?" Yeah. Yeah. They're quite yes. good though the kids in this, hey? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, the, Very the, well trained. The, yeah. the child acting across across the whole film is is pretty pretty spot on. They they do a great job. Give him a contract. I'm sure they got him. <laughs> I mean, they're, look, they're not kids anymore. They they uh they now play like old people. Yeah, if very if, old if, people. If they're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um it's yeah, it, it's just it's beautifully done and we get to the the ultimate resolution of this film, which is he needs $8,000 and the whole community comes together and they're like, we, we got your back, George. And they throw that money in and then they sing old Lang Syne and then I cry. That That's how this film ends. Yeah. It end. felt very Christmas with the cranks at the end. 
you know, bring the community together. Yeah. Solve the Oh, problem. spoilers for Christmas with the cranks. <laughs> Have you not seen that? <laughs> I haven't seen it. Oh, mate. Should, I, should, I see, should I see Christmas with the cranks? Well, you should. It's Tim one Allen. Of, it's one of Nicola's favourites. <laughs> okay. And it's not one of my favourites. Okay. Uh, we've we've had discussions about this in the past. Come back next year. All right. Well, I, I mean, there's still a few days <laughs> till Christmas at time of recording, so Look, I, I can get it in there. You I, should. It's good. I hadn't considered the, uh, the fact that Christmas with the cranks is the modern day It's a Wonderful Life um, oh. because that feels wrong to say. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, in the future when we do Christmas with the Cranks, I'll try my best to remember that and and see how it is. But I'll point it out because I'm sure I'll be there. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Woe betide anyone that tries to watch it. Hundred percent. Now going back to this though, can we talk about how the fact that Mary is the real MVP in this whole movie? Please do. So at the very end, getting all that shit together. Grabbing the whole community, getting mm. them all on board. I didn't even realise that she knew what had happened. You had to point that out to me. Mm. Maybe I missed it in my toilet break. Mm. Um, <laughs> but she, the fact that she managed to get all of that together at the last minute and really save Christmas, not only for, you know, like the family and for the community, but, you know, like saved her husband's life. Mm-hmm. Good well, on her. I mean, as we know from the, from the sequence where George doesn't exist, we know that if he didn't exist though. <laughs> I mean, she owed him because otherwise she turns into a disgusting librarian spinster. I know, that was, that was gross. Ooh, yuck. That was the mm. worst part of the film. What is she going to be, honest. 30, 40s maybe in that sequence? Not even. Blech. Yeah. I'm going to be sick. She was wearing glasses. She, <laughs> could, she so couldn't yuck. see well. Yeah, she because, had a scarf on her head. Because she didn't have love. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Disgusting. It, that sequence where he meets everyone and they're super not nice to him or, mm. or, 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 or things are just going bad um, were... It was great sort of seeing how how the world is bad, as, as in what, what it was that was considered bad. And a lot of it was just that they were very sort of standoffish. And yet the barman, who just the classic 40s voice of just <sighs> like, what are you doing in here, pal? Like that whole, um, I can't even replicate it. You just have to go and listen to it if you've not yeah. watched the film. It's just like the classic 40s <laughs> tough guy voice. Um, and... Just, just taunting him, and then yeah, Mary being this, this, this mousy librarian, help this man's chasing me! Ah, like that whole thing. But it, it's really interesting what they like the fact that she is an old maid is is a bad thing. Mm. That's um, probably the worst part that's dated. Yeah, was this, Clarence what? being like, poor Mary, she became a maid. Yeah, she. Oh God, like, well, she she kind of seems fine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's got a. She probably likes it there. She's got a job. She's a fiercely independent woman with a job. Yeah, yeah. she's a, and then upholding some guy member shows of the up, community. Some lanky dude attacks her in the street. I know, regardless of how handsome he is. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm not saying he's not a dreamboat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 probably is the bit that seems the most dated. You know, that and having um, the Bailey family having a maid. Um, oh yeah, and the Indian a, club. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. You know, the more you say, the yeah, more. Yeah, now that I yeah. think about it, actually, I take. Oh, it and back. calling the the martinis uh, garlic eaters. Um, yeah, just a couple of just a couple of subtle yeah. racial slurs. Although, although that one was the villain. Yeah. So, not that it excuses it being. <laughs> in yeah, yeah. But it was him that said it. That but it true. was him. That, it wasn't yeah. as though it was George Bailey going. Oh, my friends, the garlic eaters. The gra-. It wasn't. <laughs> that would have been worse. <laughs> I would not know how to feel about that. I'm like, am I supposed to still like him? Is yeah. this just of the times? Yeah, I, I think it is reflective of the times, but mm. I also feel as though it is a lot less problematic than a lot of other films we've watched. Oh, this oh I mean, period. as far as slurs go as well, you know, garlic eat is not, not so bad. 
Mm. If we're going to let's, uh, let's list the ten way worse ones <laughs> right now. No, uh, <laughs> but but yeah, I, I I also want to have a quick chat about Clarence before we move on. Sure. Um, because he's not in this film a lot, but he's maybe the most the character that is easiest to name. Mm. I think mm. if you asked a hundred people on the street, it's a wonderful life. Name a character. They'd probably go Clarence Oddbody, even above George Bailey. Or they go Tiny Tim, and you go wrong movie. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been me. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's a really interesting performance, and I, I feel like he's not used quite enough. I almost wanted like another scene with him, but maybe that's just because it was a good performance, and I was enjoying he it. Was yeah, very he was great. Cute. Yeah. yeah, cute little old face. Yeah, very like much him. the um, the Aziraphale of, of Good Omens that, that we could have had had it been made in the 40s. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he was lovely. And like just having his little um, Tom Sawyer, his, his little book with him and just being like, I can't wait for Mark Twain's latest book. It was it was fun. I liked his lacy little underwear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was it was really lovely. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just such an interesting film. And and also the fact that it it touches on the Second World War, which is just finished, like the year before this film is released. Yeah, mm. and that's very interesting considering that you pointed out that um, J- uh, James Stewart had just come from the war. Mm. Yeah, unlike George, he had hearing in both ears. Yeah. So he, yeah, yeah he served um, for, for a few years um, in the Second World War, and this was his first film back. He signed on to do it at the end of 1945 and so they shot it throughout 46 um and he did have some some reservations about it as a lot of returned mm. soldiers who had been actors and came back to acting some of them were like oh yeah this is fine and a lot of them were like i don't know if i feel i don't mm. feel the same way about this and i don't know if it's right for me to do this like yeah, obviously right. i'd be dealing with all sorts of oh, yeah. um trauma just you know, the from... Second World War that was that was one of the big ones, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was one yeah. of the two that. It's by World, is it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Arguably, it was the biggie. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm so confused. I was like, is he serious? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, no, I'm from Polish heritage. I know about World War Two. <laughs> that war, that war was not great for my people. Uh, no, no. In fa- indeed, I've yet to find a people it was good for. Yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> but but yes, uh, it was. Um, yeah, it was. It was. It was interesting, sort of seeing how the Second World War was covered in this film in like quite a quick montage, mm. but where all the characters had an involvement. Like, of course, Potter's in charge of the draft committee. That wanker. Yeah. <laughs> He's been like, I'll send these men to their deaths. Like, and, but but see, seeing how everyone chipped in and what yeah. they were doing and how George got the short end of the stick even with that because he couldn't serve. Mm. And of course he wanted to, I presume. They, they sort of implied that every able-bodied man yeah. wanted mm. to. And so he was you know, stuck doing all the rationing stuff back at home. And he's like, what? And my brother got to shoot down 15 planes? I could, I could have done that. I did a tire drive. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's really interesting that how it's placed and how it's used, but it isn't sort of dwelt on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's almost just more of a, oh, and here's another thing that Harry got to do that was super cool. And I actually really like, unless I missed it, that he doesn't appear to be resentful of his brother at all. No. And that's... Which I think is really nice. Because yeah. Because that yeah. would have created a bit of a character flaw in him that would have made it harder 
to appreciate him as a character. Yeah, but he's actually like he's really proud he's, and yeah, like really he's just stoked. like a good guy. Yeah. yeah. And I think the but same... a believable good guy. Yeah. yeah. Not like a like upstanding member who like you go, that this is very obviously a movie that we're watching, you know? Like you can't you can't be real. I you can't be scene... handsome and nice. Yeah, except Except he is. Except this guy. I think the scene that really shows that is when Harry first comes back, having been to college, and comes back with his wife, uh, Ruth. Mm. And um, he he says, yeah, and her dad's given me a job at his glass factory or wherever it yeah. is. And that's devastating for George because now he's like, well, I can't leave. Yeah, he's like, he's locked in now. Yeah, Harry was always going to be the one that would take over and now he's not. But he talks to Ruth and says, what's this job like? Is it a good job for my brother? And she says, yeah, you know, it's low paying to begin with, but he'll it's a good job for him to like do and he'll be in the family business he's and good at research this will be great yeah and george just goes all right i'm staying then and it's like god he's so nice <laughs> but like and again i think multiple times there was an easier way out for george and he never ends up taking it mm. and i love the one scene where he almost does when he shakes potter's hand oh yeah when yeah. potter offers him the job and as soon as he shakes his hand he's like he greased my palms and i'm gonna wipe it on my jacket yeah but in that in that moment like i was really torn because there's part of me that's like totally would not have been mad at him for for taking that deal you know you're like i totally understand where you're coming from but also so happy that he didn't yeah because you're like it is a good deal and you've had a pretty rough Mm. you know ride up until now yeah and then he goes home from that and finds out that his wife's pregnant and at no point does he go, oh, I should have taken the oh, job. Boy, 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 boy. Uh, no, instead he's like, it's great. Fatherhood. Boy or girl. <laughs> yeah, boy or a girl. Yes. <laughs> um, Good gag. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it, it's just a lovely film. And it was, it was such a pleasure to like, just, just jump back and watch it. But yeah, it's got these great emotional beats. And it, it. I think it does the, the sort of spirit of Christmas thing very well. But mm. despite the fact that so much of the film isn't set at Christmas... Yeah, like I said before, it really touches on that whole like nostalgic feeling as well, which mm. I think is something that people love about Christmas movies. Yeah, and I think it's actually quite important that a lot of this film isn't set around Christmas. I feel as though Christmas being the sort of catalyst for the community coming together and giving yeah, him that money end. was crucial. Mm. But if it had just been, we're always in Christmas in Bedford Falls whenever we visit yeah, him throughout yeah. his life, it shows that he is someone who is charitable and upholds the ideals of the Christmas holiday and indeed Christianity in general throughout his life, whatever the situation. And so that that reward that he gets at the end of the community coming together. It's much and more pleasurable. Showing that support. Yeah. It, it sort of feels like, no, he's, he's, a go- he's, he's a good upstanding person who like embodies what Christmas is about from a, I suppose, a more religious standpoint. Mm. Yeah. So... Uh, and he gets punched in the face by a teacher's husband who he insults on the phone. So oh, you were happy with that. Yeah. I, to be honest, there we go. That was his like one moment where I was like, you dick. You yeah. can't just call up a teacher and tell her off. On Christmas sending... Eve. Yeah. Ruin her Christmas. I'd be so mad. I'd be on connect notifications messaging him so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get my well, principal on him. Yeah. Well, luckily... Uh, in this case, Mr. Welch just gave him one right in the kisser. Freaking Boom. hero. Yeah. yeah. The, the real hero of the story. All right, let's do the top five kids that have ticked you off this year. Here we go. Number five. I can't. 
can't. It's really too easy to pick one. <laughs> would you guys like some trivia about It's a Wonderful Life? I would love yes. some trivia, Stephen. Okay, all of this trivia is sourced from IMDb, so if it's not true, don't blame me. Heard of it. For the scene that required Donna Reed, uh, who played Mary, to throw a rock through the window of the Granville house, <laughs> the director, Frank Capra, had hired a marksman to shoot it out on cue. Huh. Uh, to everyone's amazement, Reed broke the window by herself. She'd played baseball in high school and had a strong throwing arm. Huh. Who would have known girls Jeez. can throw? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But she... still, like, to get... That was yeah. quite I wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. Uh, she was really in a league of her own. On that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, as Uncle Billy drunkenly leaves the Bailey home, uh, it sounds as if he stumbles into some trash cans on the sidewalk. Uh, in fact, a crew member dropped a large tray of props right after Thomas Mitchell went off screen. Huh. Uh, James Stewart began laughing and Mitchell improvised, I'm all right, I'm okay. Uh, Frank Capra decided to use this take in the final cut and gave the stagehand a $10 bonus for improving the sound. That's amazing. Yeah. Good thing. Yeah, it's not like when that happened on a Christian Bale set and he just blasted all the crew. Yeah. Oh, good for you yeah. is what you would have gotten with that It was a different one. time. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Ten bucks in the forties. Yeah, it's a sweet deal. It's a sweet deal. Oh yeah. yeah. Speaking of, when they were like, "Oh yeah, five thousand dollars for to build a house," I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. As, as somebody who just recently built a house. Oh, did you? Holy shit! Oh, I didn't know that. Congratulations. Oh, like two years ago. Oh, but, oh, that house. Yeah. Oh, I've been there. We've done a podcast there. We have done a podcast. Oh, okay. But, you laughed. Yeah. You said you liked it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like. Like five thousand dollars to build a house? Yes, please. Ooh, good times. Yeah, shame yeah. about the war and everything, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a shame about the war. The gym floor that opens in the middle to reveal a swimming pool underneath was filmed at Beverly Hills High School in California, Ooh. and was real and is still in regular use. The same gymnasium moving floor was used in a similar school dance scene in the film Whatever It Takes in the year two thousand. Wow, it just seems so dangerous. Mm. Because, like, the bit where they all jump in and they're all frolicking in the water, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fun. But then they start to, like, actually go underneath the yeah. floor. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's how you die. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like that. Yeah. I did like the old man pretending to jump in and clearly just diving clearly. onto Not a yet. soft mat. <laughs> <laughs> we can't get this this guy wet. He might actually get pneumonia yeah, and yeah. die. Like it's... So did you say it was Beverly Hills High School, sorry? Uh, Beverly Hills High School, yes. I yeah. want them to redo the dance-off scene from Greece, which I felt it was very reminiscent of. Mm-hmm. But with an opening floor, and then they all jump in the water. Yes. And then a little bit of... Actually, I really hope it's in that new version of um, West Side Story. Sure, there's, yeah. There's some good... Some, some good Dance like, off in the gym. Rumble in the yeah. water. Yeah. yeah. Like, there could really be sharks. Ooh! Ooh. Actual dancing sharks. Love yes, it. please. Uh, James Stewart was nervous about the phone kiss scene because it was his first on-screen kiss since returning to Hollywood from the oh, war. Oh, wow. Um, under director Capra's watchful eye, Stuart filmed the scene in only one take and worked so well uh, that part of the embrace was cut because it was too passionate for the censors. So it was the phone kiss that they had to cut around. He's got wow. those. He's got those war lips. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I've not. I've only been kissing men for the last four yeah. years. Come here, baby. Yeah. I, I long for the smooth touch of a woman. Yes. I, I presume. That's that's what it was. Like, uh, you'd have to assume. Yeah, yeah. It's been him and Clarence all that time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the set for Bedford Falls was constructed in two months and was one of the longest sets ever made for an American movie. It covered four acres. Wow. It included 75 stores and buildings, a main street, a factory district, and a large residential and slum area. Main street was 300 yards long. That's amazing. Mm. Yeah, just... So much of that film is set. And it's, it's built a town. Yeah. 
And no, uh, theirs are just doing on a bloody uh, computer. Yeah, and they used most of that set for quite a few films afterwards for I think the next seven or eight years Amazing. before they eventually well. tore yeah. it down. While filming the scene in which George prays in the bar, James Stewart was so overcome that he began to sob. Frank Capra later reframed and blew up the shot because he wanted to catch the expression on Stewart's face. This is why the shot looks grainy compared to the rest of the film. Oh, wow. Did you guys notice that? No, I didn't no, notice I didn't. that at all, actually. Okay, because I was yeah keeping an eye out for it, but made sure not to mention it just yeah. in case. Could you notice it? Not really. Like I, I, I only sort of picked up on it because I knew to look for it. Yeah. I think if I hadn't read that before watching this film, I don't think I would have noticed yeah, it. Yeah, I definitely didn't notice. Yeah, so... Oh, that's really sad. Yeah. Well, it was a, it was a good shot, but um, yeah, they could only do it the once. Like, yeah, James Stewart didn't feel he could he could do it again. Did this did this movie win awards and stuff? Surely. It's a Wonderful Life was nominated for six Academy Awards. Right. And it won one. Oh. Still pretty good. It was nominated for Best Picture. Um, what it, won that year? The Best Years of Our Lives. Never heard Never of it. Never even heard of it. Uh Frank Capra was nominated for Best Director, but William Wyler won for The Best Years of Our Lives. Mm. Uh, James Stewart was nominated for Best Actor, but the winner was Frederick March from The Best Year of Our Lives. I think this is bullshit. Yeah. It was nominated for Best Film Editing, which I think we can agree it probably doesn't deserve. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That was won by William Hornbeck, uh, the editor for... Oh, sorry. That was... uh, William Hornbeck edited this film. Uh, Daniel Mandel won for... The best years of our lives. Get out of here, what? And best sound recording, it was nominated, but lost to uh, John P. Liverday from The Jolson Story. (laughs) (laughs) The one it did win was a Technical Achievement Award um, for the development of a new method of simulating falling snow on a motion picture set. Wow. Mm. Films made prior to this one used cornflakes painted white for a falling snow effect. Painted? Yeah. I'm assuming. Time for that. I'm assuming painted on mass. Not yeah. individually. I don't know. I wasn't in charge of it. I hate that. the olden days. <laughs> Can you imagine? You'd be getting paid good for that, you'd hope. Yeah. Because the cornflakes were very loud. <laughs> <laughs> and crunchy. Yeah. And delicious. <laughs> yeah. uh, the dialogue had to be dubbed in later. Uh, Frank Capra wanted to record the sound live, so a new snow effect was developed using uh, fomite, a firefighting chemical, soap and water. This mixture was then pumped at high pressure through a wind machine to create the silent falling snow. 6,000 gallons of the new snow were used during the film, and for that they won the uh, the, the special technical award uh, wow. at the Academy Awards. Disney um, parks still use something similar today for their fake snow on Main Street. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. I was once in a commercial that had fake snow, except it was like... This kind of, no, it was like, <laughs> it was like plastic flakes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was nasty. Oh. It looked great. It Asbestos. looked like snow, but it was not fun. Yeah, so yeah, it's just to reassure anyone, uh, including you, Nicola, because um, you were a bit worried about all that snow. It was not the asbestos causing. Yeah, well, snow. I mean, there was a lot of snow at the beginning. I was like, geez, no wonder they're all dead. Like everyone, yeah, everyone in the movie is dead, but that's not why. So it's okay. Yeah, it's 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 been a while. That's yeah. more the okay, reason. Okay, that's better. <laughs> Uh, this film is one of the five times that uh, Beulah Bondi portrayed James Stewart's mother. So she did it five oh, times. Over really? Her yeah. Uh, she also played his mum in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Of Human Hearts, Vivacious Lady, Ooh. and The Jimmy Stewart Show, The Identity Crisis. Oh. Now, can I ask a question? Because they seemed very fond of each other when they kissed on the lips. Mm. So, where. 
Was this the first film they were in together? Is that why they did later films together? This was the or... this was the fourth film they okay, did Okay, so together. they were just comfortable with each other. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, she, like, she'd already played his mum three times, including in the intriguingly titled Vivacious Lady. I have many questions mm, and yes. they're all saucy. Well, we'll uh, we might get to that one one day, but yep. uh, not today. Uh, both James Stewart and Donna Reed come from small towns. Stewart from Indiana, Pennsylvania, and Reed from Denison, Iowa. Um, mm. Donna Reed demonstrated her rural roots by winning an impromptu bet with Lionel Barrymore, who played Potter, when he challenged her to milk a cow on set. Huh. What a challenge. That's that's when that's where that bit of trivia ends. Now I didn't Wait, see you any can't cows. leave it there. There was a goat. There was a goat. I didn't see any cows though. No. What was the cow doing on set? They flew it in. I guess. It wasn't good enough, it got cut. Was it was it was it, it, one it, of, it, it was maybe, too passionate a kisser. But <laughs> I was going to say, maybe that was what they tried to get into the car and then they realised it wouldn't fit, so that's why they With got the, the goat kids, instead. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe it was one of uh, Billy's grief pets. <laughs> <laughs> it was with the monkey. Yeah. yeah. And the dog. Yeah. Oh, dear. Um, two of Sesame Street's Muppets, Bert and Ernie, uh, share their names with the mm. film's cop and cab drivers. Yeah. Uh, but it is believed that this is a coincidence. Oh, really? Oh, oh I was hoping that was a Yeah, thing. me too. That would have been a nice, wholesome moment. Carolyn Grimes, who played Zuzu, uh, the, the daughter with the flower, yep. insisted that the two Muppets were named as such because this was one of Jim Henson's favourite movies. But Henson's writing partner, Jerry Jewell, insisted in the San Francisco Chronicle that Ernie and Bert were not named after the movie's characters. Jewell said, quote, I was not present at the naming, but I was always positive the rumour was incorrect. Despite his many talents, Jim had no memory for details like this. He would know the movie, of course, but would not have remembered the cop and the cab driver. I was not able to confirm this with Jim before he died, but shortly after I spoke to John Stone, Sesame Street's first producer, um, who was also a man largely responsible for the show's format, he assured me that Ernie and Bert were named one day when he and Jim were studying the prototype puppets. They decided that one of them looked like an Ernie and the other looked like a Bert. The movie character names are purely coincidental. What a cop-out. Oh, I reckon it's got to be in the back of Henson's brain somewhere, though, surely. You can't just look at two puppets and be like, you look like an Ernie, and yeah. you, boy, you look like a Bert. Yeah. No way in hell. I've never seen anyone that I'm like, you look like an Ernie and you look like a Bert. No. Okay. So. Except for Ernie and Bert, the real ones. Yeah. The Muppets. So you're, you're with Zuzu on this one is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Okay. So what's the name Zuzu short for? Um, is that a very popular I think it's short for thing? Zoological Zoological. Mm. I, I don't know. <laughs> Zulu Zulu. Zoolander Zoolander. Yeah. yeah. It's, I think it's just a fun name. I think by the time you've had your fourth kid, you're like, oh, Zuzu. Yeah. She wasn't the fourth though. Wasn't she? Oh, no. She would have been at least maybe the third. Um... Okay. Maybe the third. Yeah, I think the, a, I think she was the third, and I think the little toddler. little boy yeah. was oh, the smallest. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He was very little. Okay. Well, then I don't know. Just, just a bit of. How do you spell Zuzu? Uh, Z U Z U. I'm gonna hmm. Google it. You're gonna Google it. Yeah. While you Google it, let me tell you that in 1986, a colorized version of the film was released to significant controversy. Hmm. The genesis stemmed from a reneged deal between Frank Capra and Colorization Inc., the producers of this version. Capra was to have invested in half of the colorization work in exchange for creative control and part ownership. However, colorization realized that since the film was supposedly in the public domain, they could do all the work and let Capra go. This helped to create an outcry among filmmakers and their supporters that led to all subsequent colorized versions of films displayed 
um, a notice stating that they were not authorized by the picture's creators. This outcry would also lead to the creation of the Library of Congress's National Film Registry in 1989. This version was pulled from distribution in 93 when the film's copyright was restored, but a new colorized version was produced under the authorization of Paramount Pictures and released in 2007. Hmm. Would you have been more interested in this film were it in color? Do you, do you feel as though color was I don't was feel like it would have important. made a difference, to be honest. No, I kind of like that it's in black and white. And I, you know, I love those colorized versions of black and white movies. Like, I, I mean, you can always tell, obviously. And I, I never really liked the look of them that much, really. Mm. Especially when all the backgrounds are still mostly grey. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Yeah, I, I personally, at no point have I watched this film and gone... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to see some clips from it, maybe just to see how they, how well they did. But I don't think it would make the movie any better or worse. Mm. No, I don't think it would make a much of a difference, to be honest. I've got, sorry, I've got the thing about Zuzu. Oh, yeah? So, I've got two things. First of all, the name Zuzu is actually a girl's name um, in Czech, which means Lily. Okay. Uh, Secondly, Zuzu is traditionally a nickname for Susan, which I feel is possibly more likely in this case. Susan seems about right. Well, I also did a Google. Oh, about Zuzu? About Zuzu. Oh. Just then. And I have found uh, this... Um, there was a brand of biscuits in America at the time called Zuzu Ginger Snaps. Oh, and he calls it a little ginger something. Yeah, ginger snaps. See, oh, that's the only reason that I would have yeah. liked to have seen this in colour. So we could have seen... The Just bitch. confirmed that she actually had red hair. Yeah, yep. so she had red hair and that's why she was called Zuzu. It was a Nabisco cookie called the Zuzu Ginger Snap. Mm. Well, consider that my new nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Shane, Zuzu Adamzak. What's up? Ginger Snap in the house. <laughs> Let's do this. The final bit of trivia I have for you. The scene on the bridge where Clarence saves George by getting George to save himself. Smart. Was filmed on a back lot on a day when the temperature was 32 degrees Celsius. That's why Mm. James Stewart is visibly sweating. (laughs) Oh, great. But pretending to be cold. Yeah. I thought it was the alcohol sweats. Yep. (laughs) Could have been. But no, this this film was shot between April and July. So it was warm when they shot this. Uh, and they're all in coats and running oh, around in no. snow. But yes, uh, it was particularly warm that day. Maybe that's why it's in black and white, so you can't see all their red faces. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Maybe that's why they're like, hell no, do not put this shit in colour. <laughs> yeah. Keep the magic alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, all that remains is for us to score the film. Nicola, mm-hmm. it was your first time watching Yeah. It's a Wonderful Life. So, you get to go first. What would you give this film out of ten? Nine. And a half. Nine and a half. Yeah, I, I really liked it. I think that this is going to be in my regular rotation of Christmas films. Oh, And I'm fully intending, hopefully in the next week, to go home and make Jared watch it too. Oh, good. Yes. No, he definitely needs to watch it. Just in case any teachers insult you. He, yeah, Give him a bop this on the nose. That's, you that's do. how I'm going to sell it to him because he's just flat out told me um, the other day that he's not watching a single Christmas movie until I sit down and watch Die Hard because I've never seen it. That's a fair exchange. So we'll have to watch Die Hard and then this is coming in. Hmm. And I'll be like, remember this one time as mm. a teacher? Yeah. Um, and there's vindication. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> actually, now that I think about it, I mentioned at the start that me and my ex watched a bunch of traditional Christmas movies. Mm. Die Hard was actually on that list. Okay. Traditional. Um, I like how you I, I, I mean, I, um, let's get into it. I maintain it's just a action movie set during the Christmas period, but mm. it's a very good movie. It's a very good movie. If you <laughs> Don't at me. Full stop. If you want to know the program's official view, you can go back into our back catalogue and mm-hmm. hear our review of Die Hard, which we reviewed uh, during the Christmas season. 
uh, and you can mm-hmm. hear, hear us talk about that at length. But uh, right. Shane, we're here to find yep. out what would you give this film out of ten? Um, I also I actually enjoyed it more this time. I loved it the first time I watched it, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give it a solid nine mm-hmm. as well. I'm gonna give it uh, nine uh, bells out of ten. Mm. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's nine angels just flying away yep. right there. <laughs> I really like I really like this film, and we we only do two Christmas films a year, and I've been like really keen to get this one on for a mm. few years, but I was like, no, we'll wait till it's an anniversary. Um, and it's it's so good. It it's so so good. I I I do think it could have potentially been made a tiny bit better i'm not going to give it a 10 because i do feel as though there are a couple of like editing issues here and there they're, they're so small but they there are was so much small. smooching stephen they true. couldn't keep the hands off each other it's true but, but and i do agree that there is a slight sag in the middle mm. but but it's it's brief like this film is pacey and it packs it a is. lot in yeah um and i think it's I, I I I doubt I'll look as good at seventy five. Let alone like this film looking as good as it does at mm. seventy five years old. So, it's um, it, it is a remarkable film, and I think it is one that if you have not seen, it's a wonderful life. Just just watch it. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's a reason it's on so many people's like must see Christmas list. Well, yeah. there's a reason that we all remember this one seventy five years on, but we can't remember the bloody film that won the Academy Award. I can't year. remember what it was called. Now. No, no. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the the wonder of our years. Boo, I hate that movie. Whatever it was. Uh but yes, um yeah, this film is is pretty incredible. Um so I'm going to give it nine and a half birds out of Ernie. Uh, I think it's um, <laughs> Would this be one of your highest rated movies? Oh, it'll be right up there. Um it funnily enough, now that you've mentioned that, um you'll be able to find out our top films from the year 2021 in the next couple of weeks Uh, because uh, as is traditional now that we're at the end of the year uh, i record a little uh, wrap-up review of the year where we look at just the films that were reviewed this year and we do a top five and bottom five Uh, and i i think that with those scores this film is pretty safely in the top five for the year good work i'm not sure if it's our top ranked christmas film though i'd have to go back and have a look i feel as though Come on. No, <laughs> it's, it, I can tell you it's not Elf. Um, I, I feel as though Die Hard might be slightly higher scored oh, than this. Oh, shut up. I'm sorry. <laughs> the ultimate Christmas How film. you got two very you. angry people over I here. I want to make it clear. I don't think Die Hard's a bad movie. I don't think it's better than this, and I don't think it's a Christmas Well, when you watch Die Hard in a, in a couple of weeks, Nicola, you'll be able to see just how much the Christmas spirit is. I'm giving it a grabs. two. Oh. <laughs> well, that Telling changes things. I'll do, I'll do the maths now. Um, yeah, it, but it, it's an incredible film. Um, and and uh, it it does something that would otherwise I think be incredibly schmaltzy in a very non schmaltzy way, mm. and it's it's remarkable. So um, yeah, Shane and Nicola, thank you so much for watching this film with me. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for showing it to me for the first time. And thank you for both bringing snacks. Oh, <laughs> you're welcome. Yes, uh, we'll get into those uh, those gingerbreads in a little bit. But first, I have to tell the people at home there's only one more episode for the year. Um, and it's a doozy, so make sure that uh, you listen to it. Um, where, I hear you ask? Why? iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, you know the drill by now. Subscribe and you'll get a new episode each and every week. We're also available to be found on Facebook for um, uh, polls that can be voted on. You can leave your own reviews of films. You know, if you think 
It's a Wonderful Life is Better Than Die Hard or vice versa, just let us know. Go to the Facebook page. Uh, do it. <laughs> do it, yeah. Uh, and uh, just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club in Facebook. And we have our Patreon. If you want to give me $8,000 and save my Christmas, uh, you can do and that's that. That's 40s money, so think about the interest, you know. That's, that's yeah. a lot more than 8000 bucks. No, no, no. We'll aim for 8000 in today's money. Just no, all right. And I'm not, I don't want to be greedy. But if you want to do that... Um, uh, yeah, if you donate at the $8,000 level, an angel will get their wings. But then... Stephen, the money's not here. It's in your house, in my house. It's over there. Well, then give me my money, Shane. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, if you would like to, to uh, become a member of our Patreon, get a few extra bonus goodies and features, um, just search for us over at patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast. But that is all for this week. So until next time, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.